Cry Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com. part of the plan to put a brewery in but for many years it was just a plan it's a hundred percent acquisition of green beacon no we had a chat with everybody anyone would have seen this coming a mile away you know the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing oh yeah that's super simple and direct question it's always fun to get to speak about beer Hi, I'm Bruce News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. Today we chat with Annalise Naiskins and Jimmy Van Etveld from Maddock Brewing on the Gold Coast. A Belgian couple, Annalise came to Australia for a school exchange in, at 17 and always wanted to return. The couple had an engineering firm in Belgium, but Jimmy found something a little disheartening about making something well and with pride, only to have it hidden in a cupboard or behind a false wall. He decided that he wanted to make beer instead. Annalise persuaded a reluctant Jimmy to up their life and move to Australia, with Jimmy only agreeing if he could make beer. The result is a Belgian brewery on Queensland's Gold Coast. 2021 has been a long year, and there's been a lot happening in this post-craft world of ours, and in a lot of ways, this was the conversation that I needed right now. I hope you enjoy hearing Annalise and Jimmy's story just as much as I did. Annalise Neskins and Jimmy Van Eetvelder. Yeah, that's Welcome right. Welcome to Beer as a Conversation. <laughs> Thank you. You'd think it with a name like Kierkegaard, I would have this down. But uh, <laughs> as I like to say, when I was in Copenhagen, I couldn't even pronounce my own surname, which is apparently Kiergor. Um, so anyway, welcome both to uh, Beer as a Conversation. It's uh, a thrill to be here at Thank Maddock you. Brewery. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for having us. This has been a podcast that's been so long coming, um, not least because of COVID and I haven't been able to sit down with you. And I'm thrilled to actually have the travelling kit and be here in, in your very, very new tap room. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about all of that. But let, let's go back to the very, very beginning and... Annalise, you had a very early connection with Australia despite coming from uh, Belgium. Yes. um, I fell in love with Australia in 1997 when I was an exchange student and I came for 12 months to Australia as a 17-year-old and spent did actually my year 11 in Mentone, Melbourne. And I just fell in love with with the country and I always wanted to come back. Where did you grow up? We are from Belgium and we are from the Flemish part of Belgium. So we speak Flemish, which is like literally the same as Dutch. Um, yep, that's where I spent all of my life and that's where I met Jimmy as well. Um, and that's where our story began. Explain to us the, because Belgium has a fascinating history. It, 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 it's a constructed country in a lot of ways. You, you said that you came from the Flemish part. Just tell us a little bit about the cultural background. Ooh, that's a tough question. It's it's something that you do not really think about when you live in a country. Um, the cultural background of Belgium. It is a very diverse country. We've got three national languages, which are Flemish, French and German. It is a relatively new country. It's actually mm. younger than Australia. Um, it's only been a kingdom since 1831. 
And it, it used to be part of the Netherlands, part of France, and a little bit of Germany as well, hence the fact that we've got those three national languages. Everyone's basically had a turn of running it, haven't they? Or, or yes. sort of controlling that, that bit of land. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <that's> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes, and the, those three parts in Belgium are very different to each other as well. But on the other hand, it's one country. Um, it is a tough question. No, it's, uh, well, it's, well, I think like we are the Burgundiers. Don't know how you say that in, in, in English, Burgundia. Uh, we love to eat and drink. So, <laughs> yeah, so when we got conquered and the French part didn't, we actually in, inherited that all that uh, food and, 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 and love for, for beer. And uh, think of the Bruegeltafel. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A famous painting. Um, yeah, Annalise knows all about painting. <laughs> okay. <so. laughs> oh no, it's it's got such a, hit, uh, a rich history, and uh, it's been torn apart by world wars and everything. Um, but it's it's still there; it still exists. But does that? <laughs> I, I, I guess Belgium is, you know, I, I, I don't know how to. It, it's almost the mecca for beer. Like it, it 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 is a touch point for so much beer culture and so much beer love. To, to, to traditionalists um, yes and it, it's got such a very strong beer culture and I was wondering whether that was a byproduct of its history and its culture you know Germany very strong beer culture um, France wine culture yes um, does that come into play with your, your, your love of food and drink um, yes absolutely so actually the Belgian beer culture already dates back to the 12th century where in medieval times, Belgium was still a very religious country back then as well, a lot of monasteries and such. Um, the water was polluted in the country. Um, medieval times, everybody drank from the creeks and the rivers and everything, and people got fairly sick of it as well. But then the monks in the monasteries, they were brewing beer on a low alcohol percentage back then, and because they had to boil the water to produce the beer, and because the country was still a very religious country, a lot of people did go to church, they started distributing that beer amongst the citizens. And the people became healthier. So beer started to evolve as in a very good thing. And that's where it all started. So the monasteries started to produce even more beer. The alcohol percentage went up and everything, and the whole beer culture evolved into yep. what we know now also uh, another aspect is like with because belgium was conquered by different rulers d during the time we had different rules uh, applied on breweries so at certain times some breweries couldn't use hops or they couldn't uh, they only were able to use herbs for example or or vice versa and that made a difference in in, in beers as well over time so, uh, like in Brussels or one part of the of the river, you have the sour beers. On the other part uh, side, you don't have the sour beers. And little things like that. That's one of the things that fascinates because I love hearing foreign expectations of what Australians like because there is a perception of a country outside of its own borders that is not often seen. And when I first met you, I just assumed that Belgium had this strong beer culture where it was almost taught at school. Um, and I was very surprised that when we first spoke that in, in some ways it's, it's only a recent rediscovery within Belgium. It was people like Michael Jackson that repopularized 
the love of beer even amongst the Belgians. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there was even a program on television that really kicked it off, I reckon. Uh, yeah. It's called Tournée Générale, like yeah. give us a round. It's in, 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 in French, they mm -hmm. say it. And we had Ray Cooks. He was in a presenter from MTV and Jean Blatter. He's like a, a Belgium singer. Mm -hmm. They went around through Belgium and visited all the breweries. So when was this? Uh, it started in uh, 2012 or 2014. Oh, really? So it's, it's that no, recent? Uh, well, no, a little bit earlier, I reckon. Okay. Yeah, yeah a little bit. I think maybe maybe 2010 or something. But recently, and that actually that I think that's the main revival of. The craft beer the, scene in Belgium, in Belgium as well. like heritage-wise, and, and that people saw it on television and they realized like, oh. So do you consider Oval and Duval craft beers or are they like, N no. are they like VB? No, we, we are then talking more about the booming craft beer industry that we see up here okay. as well. We're all in every town, smaller brew pubs and everything starts to... to um, grow and flourish and whatever um but orval and duval and leffer and she made the beers that we know here in uh, australia as well um they have been around already for a long time so those are more the major breweries that we see in belgium although we, we never called a brewery a craft brewery in belgium we didn't use back well like when we moved over in 2016 <laughs> That term wasn't used, so we didn't spe specify a brewery on, on its scale or, or how big it is. No. So it's something. But that when you've got to be like Duval, like it, it, it doesn't like it, it's just good beer, and yeah. it, it, in some, it, it's one of the things that we've debated endlessly in the new brewing world. That the idea of craft was a rebellion against generic mainstream similar lagers. But when you've got to be like Duval, you don't almost need a, a craft. Revolution because the, the beers are so diverse already. Yes, yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think that's why we didn't use we didn't use that term at all. Huh? Uh, no, not really. Uh, but it, it, we've left Belgium in 2016. Maybe that has changed already. Yeah, as well. I think so. I can see craft beer uh, breweries popping up now, yeah. and they call themselves craft beer brewers. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's changing as well. It's evolving as well. And then, funny enough. The craft breweries that you do see pop up, they make IPAs and porters and stouts. It's it. Well, uh, so it's like vice versa. It's like what we are doing here, they're doing that then in Belgium. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about Belgian beer history is that you look at they, my understanding, again, the, the foreigner interpreting the, 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 the culture was you look at a beer like Duval that actually was an interpretation after the war or between the wars of a scotch dark ale yeah but then it's morphed and gradually and I would, I would love to go back and read newspaper columns when they took uh, the dark version of duval and made it essentially the strong golden ale style to sort of see what the traditionalists would have been saying about that and uh, and now it's seen as this unique historical style um despite riffing on on something else Duval is probably one of the main. If, if you order a, a real strong beer, and Duval is probably one of the go-to's in Belgium. I reckon yeah. a lot of people drink it. Mm -hmm. It's like your 
standards uh, beer, you could say, like uh, doodle, and, you have to have a doodle. And traditionally, we do line them up on the table as well to see how many stubbies you could drink in an <laughs> evening. That is done as well. That, <laughs> yeah, I'd, 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 it, it, one or two would uh, do me with yeah, some yeah. nice cheese on a very slowly drink responsibly, folks. Uh, but now, you, you didn't start life uh, as, as brewers despite your love of beer culture. Uh, Jimmy, you were an engineer and Annalise, you were a teacher, if, if my ah, memory is correct? Well, that is what I have studied for. Okay. But I actually never stood in front of a classroom except for two weeks one, <laughs> once in my lifetime. And that was enough? That was enough, indeed. <laughs> um, no, um, Jimmy and I, we always have worked together. We always have had our business together. So we do come from a different industry. We had an um, air conditioning company but more on an industrial scale. So we did um, HVAC for chemical plants, chemical factories in the port of Antwerp. Uh, we even did the nuclear plant. But it was like refrigeration as well and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. But uh, I always had the, the, the well, it was, it was a, a, an interesting job and with a lot of challenges, but at the same time you would create something even like air conditioning wise and you, you would look at it like wow that's well done and the next week you come back and they put in the full ceiling it's like <laughs> bye bye job huh? it's like yeah you've done a good job but we don't want to see it so I, I was like oh, I really want to create something more um, so you're obviously proud of your work but it was hidden. Yes. Yeah. Whereas so, with yeah. beer. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that's why I was like, oh, I want to do something that uh, people can see and enjoy, and that you can get the love back from from your your labor. You you could say. Um, yeah, drinking beer puts an immediate smile upon someone's face. But on the other hand, you never go into a hospital and say, oh, my God, that temperature up here, that <laughs> air conditioning guy, he must have done the most amazing job. Nobody does that. But when you are drinking a beer of someone, you immediately see that smile and that recognition of, yes, I'm doing something right. Well, it's just fun to create something, I reckon, and, and, and that people can enjoy, I reckon. That, that, that's yeah, the main reason, yeah. Would wine be the same or like would being a chef be the same or is, do you think there is something, or for you is there something unique about beer? I, I, I can imagine that for people that are in those industries it's, it's just the same. It's about creating and, and getting people on board with their creations and, and spreading the love. But for us it was, yeah, well, we never thought about doing anything else than beer actually it's uh, <laughs> uh never crossed my mind of uh, becoming a chef i probably wouldn't be good at it either but uh yeah. what were you beer like stepping outside of the the, the the belgian um you know nationalism and what were you beer drinkers like was that just part of what you did and you had a love of beer that was over and above those it, around you uh, we grew up in that beer culture and it is part of our lives and yes we we did have a big appreciation for beer and craft beer already um we brewed as well at home like every bigger brewer started um is so that a brewer thing in in, in belgium or mm, yeah well yeah yeah it is as okay. well yeah i think you could compare it with here yeah yeah okay so we had the love of 
the love for beer already um, growing up into uh, Belgium and everything. So when we sold our business and moved to Australia, we we just wanted to follow our passion and our dreams and make the Australian dream beer related. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old were you when you decided to leave the in, industrial engineering, uh, air conditioning? Um, and Well, I wasn't actually sure that I wanted to leave in the beginning because... Um, well, we came here on a holiday in 2013. But you learned brewing because you learned brewing in in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, 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 at what oh, point? That would, uh, um, around that period, I wanted to do that anyway, but uh, I didn't necessarily wanted to move countries. Uh, okay, let's put it that way. Um, it was only after we came here on a holiday, um, and at least tricked me. Uh, well, Annalise, <laughs> I, I, and again, one of the things I've quoted you saying that when you were here as an exchange student, you, you, you told me once you put one foot in Australia, you never get that foot back. Absolutely not. It stays here forever. <laughs> <laughs> and did you find that as well when you were tricked over here? Um, actually not. Actually, not, but for me, it was different. Um, I really liked the social aspect at home. Um, in, for example, the local soccer club. Noah was in, in, in his, well, started maybe soccer when he was six or seven. Yep. This is your son, Noah? Yeah, Noah, yep. our son. Um, the local soccer club has a canteen, like a, a bar, um, where you could buy a beer. Uh, and that way you would support the soccer club. So after every match on Sunday or Saturday, depending on when, when the match was, there was like a, a, a gathering of all the parents yeah, in and that canteen, and we would have a few beers there. And even we would uh, call the kids, like nine years old, go and order us some beer at the bar. <laughs> so they would go to the bar, order the beers, and bring it back. Hopefully, Fair's not listening. But it's very local. It's cultural, isn't it? it yeah. Is. yeah, and it's yeah. very local, and everybody knew everybody. You are there every weekend. You start to know the people behind the bar. It's run by volunteers as well. And there is a big social community and, and beer education as well towards our younger, younger children. So it, it, it was part of the game and it wasn't a problem that kids were ordering at the bar and bringing the beer to the table. It wasn't, it wasn't really such a problem. I think it was actually, a, a, in a certain way, it sounds silly. Being in Australia, you, you, you probably think, well, what is he saying now? I, I think it was a good thing. And, and if you look back at like the local pub, uh, you would have uh, uh, boys and girls from the Scouts, 16, that's the, the drinking age, sitting yeah. there together, drinking a beer. And then the table next to them, there were, the parents were sitting there. So it was like everybody was together in the pub, young and old, and and that certain aspect, the kids learned to drink. If somebody would do silly, the dad would stand up. It's like, hey, son, what are it's you doing? It's not the drinking; it's how you drink and what's how, the model yeah. and the approach and the yeah. mindset. Um, that if it's yeah, yeah, it's it's so and and that was that's why I said that example from the soccer club. It's like it's part of it's it's not about just drinking beer, but it's like the cultural aspect and like just social um. yes and that is something that we m missed a little bit here in australia coming back to the story about the soccer club um here in australia noah played soccer as well you pull out a chair you sit on the field so the game is over everybody packs up their chairs and goes home and jimmy and i the first weeks we were standing <laughs> there so 
So where are the drinks? Where where, <laughs> yeah. where are we gonna but, are we gonna go home? Yeah. So so there's a it's less social. So yes. not everybody knows everybody, especially for uh, I think uh, like for our son is now 17 and doing he's learning to become a brewer uh, at TAFE. Um, I think there's a gap for them. It would be awesome that they could come in as well. And it's never gonna a different topic, but um, and have a beer together with their friends yep. under the guidance of friends and, 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 and parents. Of, of their parents and, yeah. and so on. So yeah, it, 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 It's funny to say that one of the things that I love about brew pub culture is it's not like the hotels that are pokies, cheap beer, impersonal and, you know, encourage the worst forms of drinking. Brew pubs, you see families there and... You know, I, I think there have been more news reports of fights breaking out in Parliament House from politicians drinking than, than I've ever heard of <laughs> people in, in, in brew pubs because yeah. the approach to it is different. It's different. It's more social. And, and you have that social aspect that you watch each other's kids as well. So if yeah. I would have a beer in, 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 a, in a bar or whatever and I see my friend's kids sitting there and having a beer and he would be silly and you would say to him, hey, Mm. Don't be silly, and and he would respect that, and it's like because he knows me as well, yep. because everybody knows everybody. It's like it's a bit different, yeah. It's yeah. A, and yeah, so coming back to that point, so I, I didn't want to come to Australia in the beginning, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I, I really uh, miss that, and I still miss it. Um, but at at another point, um, well, and the flip side of it is like we're now here for five years. And I'm getting used to the the culture and the lifestyle, and 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 it, and it gives back a lot of other things as well. Uh, and we we're starting yeah. to have a lot of friends here as well. So through the brewery, we do have a social life here. But for the yeah for for the kids, it's, it could have been better, I reckon. Yeah. But that is a completely and, and then, different. And, Topic as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's we'll, we'll save that for immigration yes. as a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry too. No, no, no. One of the things I love about beer in these conversations is all of this is woven through our love of beer. And it's, 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 it's that approach to beer that is part of why you brew and why, and you know, the, the beers that you make will lend themselves. Beer is never in isolation. Beer is woven through the fabric of our lives. And that's the, the, the thing that I find most fascinating about it. Which is why, uh, you know, sort of going back to, at what point you decided that you wanted to have make something that you could see people enjoy, and you wanted to be a brewer. So you, I understand you both went and studied brewing. Yes. At separate universities or separate, you, you studied yes, separately. Yes, se separate yeah. courses. But yeah. I think it started with friends of ours were home brewing. Yeah. Leaving and cutting. Yeah. And with seeing it with them, I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, oh, oh, they, they can make beer. I was like, in complete awe, like, wow, how do you do that? How do, how? It was like, I want to learn as well. And, and that's how it started. Huh? Yeah. And then you uh, dig in deeper and deeper and you build up the experience. And then we decided to move to Australia. So we said, okay, if we want to continue doing this, like going for, to Australia for our passion and our dreams, we might as well um, go to school for it and get the right certificates yeah, and everything for it as well. So yeah, through that little bit of home brewing, uh, it, we uh, it instigated the, the the fact that yeah, this is what I want to do, this is what I like, and uh, let's make our profession out of it. 
Like, but it wasn't a, a case of staying in Belgium and brewing. It was always come to Australia and brew, wasn't uh, it? For me, no. Uh, for me, it was... Um, the, I, uh, we had a warehouse from the previous business and it was perfect to build a brewery. <laughs> and, so... Um, Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so it had, yeah, it had that last uh, grass field behind it and the cows were sitting on the back from the neighbor. It was perfect. It was on a, on a bicycle uh, push-bike route. Well, let's put it this way. It it cost me blood, sweat and tears and especially a lot of tears to get Jimmy <laughs> to move to Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It cost a bit of effort, yeah. Well, it, it, so the brewing was on the table in Belgium as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, for at least 50% of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, Madoc. Yeah. Okay. My, my, oh, my God. Now my vote I do only counts like for 5%. Percent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have to ask because one, one of my favourite Bureau's of Conversations this year, and I know that you both listened at least just to some of them, was the chat with Brendan and Peter Fielding just down the road on the Gold Coast. And, yeah. you know, having celebrated 15 years, I asked them the, 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 the question because it's hard. Marriage is hard. Relationships are hard at the best of times. But business is hard and business relationships are hard. When you bring those things together, there's a lot of challenges. And have you, have you ever had... Did, did you hear the conversation with Brennan and Peter where they talked no, about it? No, I, I did not. But I immediately understand what you are saying. And um, running a business as a married couple, uh, yes, it is tough. You wake up with it. You go to bed with it. It's on the conversation at all times. Um, you cannot turn it off. But Jimmy and I, we have never known it otherwise. We always work together mm -hmm. and we are very compatible and we, um, how do you call it, we we balance out really perfectly. Yeah, we, we, we know if, if, if we're a bit like stressed out or whatever and we start nagging on each other, we, <laughs> we know it's business related, it's not personal. Uh, and as long as you can do that, I reckon you're, you're fine like knowing where it comes from is is it's like yeah, yeah is it is it myself is 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 it something with the business and 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 then you know like okay um yeah you have to put it in in a little yes, block it, so it, i can it, yeah. we have been known for um yelling at each other in the office <laughs> but then closing the door walk into our living room and happy days okay. and then come back in the next morning back into the office open up the door and start yelling at each other again not that that happened a lot but, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's called emotional maturity in, 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 yeah. in some parts but so so there isn't uh you know fighting over what chair you're going to put in the tap room and jimmy saying you made me come to this country i get to have the chair that i want <laughs> Uh, um. not, not, not that bad, but I, I did use that card a few times. Multiple times. Yeah. Like, that's a high value as a, card. As a, as to as least, I'll come with you to Australia, but I'm not doing anything else than brewing. <laughs> so every time I have to do something else, I said, I'll, said I'll only do the brewing. I'm, I don't do anything else. But yeah, but yeah. Oh my God. Well, and it, it, your road to opening this brewery in Southport has, has, has been interesting because you moved to Australia, but the visa that you're in meant yes. that you had to essentially live between Brisbane and the Gold Coast in a little pocket that was allowed as a regional, regional. area. Um, yes, yeah, so um, to move to Australia, you have to go undergo quite a few things, uh, boxes that you need to tick off in order to be 
allowed into the country, let's say. So we had to undergo an English test, the IELTS test, English as a second language international testing system. Um, and Jimmy failed the test. <laughs> I had to hear this already a couple of times that I failed the test. And it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life, I reckon. But that made us um, not being eligible for a permanent visa straight away. So we came on a temporary visa. Okay. And it allowed us to stay in Queensland for four years. But we had to live, work and study in regional Queensland. So actually, the whole of Queensland was available for us, except for the Gold Coast and Brisbane <laughs> at that given time. So we moved to Pacific Pines be because we wanted to live as close to the Gold Coast because the Gold Coast is, of course, the most beautiful city in the whole of Australia. Um, <laughs> oh, and your uncle and aunt live here as well, huh? Yes. So we, we followed the, fam the family, you could say. Okay. Uh, but we honestly, we do love the Gold Coast as well. So... We, we moved to Pacific Pines because Pacific Pines was then considered as regional. But it also meant that everything that we did on a regular basis, we weren't allowed to do that on the Gold Coast nor in Brisbane. Meaning that, for example, the sporting things that our kids were doing, um, for example, our daughter did, did ballet in Narang, which is also considered regional, but the ballet school moved to Bundle, all of a sudden not regional anymore. So I had to take Elena out of the ballet school because that was something that we did on a regular basis. And other factors that impacted our visa, hence why we started out of our residential garage in Pacific Pines. And it wasn't easy. It's, it's, it's very small. It's and not I, profitable. I will actually oh, post Jimmy, you a photo you. in the... Uh, in, 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 in. <laughs> he moved to this country for you. Are you calling him yeah, a winner? That's yeah. my card. Oh, yeah, that's my the other card. card that he's using. <laughs> um, the initial brewery, and, and, and it's now your pilot plant down here, or the small plant, basically took up a double-car suburban garage in a residential house modern Just house you had to move the car and the motorcycle out to yes. brew yeah yeah and all the small stuff went into the house so we had to give up the half of the house to, yes. <laughs> to store stuff in and it was like yeah it was full on yeah yeah now jimmy you, you said it's not very commercial it, 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 it it's you can't really make money that way no you can't you can't so but it was the only thing we could do at that given time with our uh, visa and we were like uh, i said to Annalise, like i said before i'm only gonna brew <laughs> uh, so we decided uh, let's just start uh, out of the garage and, and hopefully we can get some recognition and, and see if people like our beers uh, because it's different. It's a bit more traditional or traditional based, you could say, and go from there. Uh, yes. And that's what we've done. So it, it was more uh, a labor of love uh, than actually a job, you could say. Yeah, yeah it, it, but it was a well planned and Torah I cannot pronounce that word really good like a good a good test huh a well thought plan of a market study yep. so and we succeeded so we were nominated best new brewery 2019 on the beeries um, and your so, mates won that one huh? yep. yeah so it was a, a recognition from within the industry and Yes, it was a public voting, and out of our garage, our audience was really, really tiny. And indeed, the guys from Your Mates on the sunny coast, they had built their tap room, and their audience was huge, of course, so they took away that trophy. Yeah, well they, done well, on they them. Well deserved, yeah. <laughs> it was just I shouldn't cool. say publicly who I voted for, but... 
it was it was just cool to get the recognition just, just that we were on that screen uh, yes. that, that was already a win i reckon from from out of the garage yes um and, and then we participated in the royal queensland beer awards and at the indies and over the past three years we have won several medals already so we've got 22 medals on our beers already we just picked up five more medals on the indies 2021 uh, of which two gold two silver and a bronze so uh, we are continuously improving and putting the brands on the map and, and it worked and it all started out of that tiny little garage. I have to say it's still scary though because opening a, a complete new venue, uh, well, the scale up from the garage to this, it's, it's, a, it's a big step and, and you're always like, oh, I am, I'm, I'm nervous uh, about that. It's like, oh, will people come? Will there be enough uh, people that like this kind of uh, beer like it's 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 a bit different uh but but yeah it's uh, it's so far so good but still it's it's early days huh? and so. that's you know i was very fertile ground to to, to meet you both because i cut my teeth the, 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 the beers that got me genuinely excited about beer were belgian beers in a day when australia was only lagers it was trying the few belgian beers that we could get here um showed me that beer could be different so that's always the frame around which I uh, approach beer. So to have a local Belgian brewery was very, very exciting for me. But at the same time, the Gold Coast isn't known, you know, physically beautiful beaches internationally. It's similar to Belgian drinking culture, probably not one of its selling points. Um, so Belgian beers, interesting selection for this, this area. How have people responded to them? Amazingly well, and absolutely everybody loves it. Um, great recognition. Yeah, it's going well because I think because a lot. Well, we have hoppy beers as well, of course, like some hybrid beers. Um, but at the same time, most of the beers aren't hoppy at all. More mm. malt-driven, yeast-driven, and there are actually a lot of people around that just don't like hoppy beers too much or. Are seeking are for something else. Are interested in something new, and and um, so yeah, um, for those people, our beer is like a really good entry into craft beer, you could say, uh, because well, if if you go from a, a normal Corona or, or whatever beer to like a full blown IPA, it can be a bit much, and then I think our beers slide in really well in the middle. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah. So so far so good. Yeah. Having grown up with traditional Belgian style beers, uh, when did you first start? To, uh, did you have experience with hoppy craft American influenced craft beers in Belgium, or was that only something that? It it started to come up when we left Belgium in two th- 2016, but most of our experience was it well yeah happened here in australia okay yeah yes you had like the the old uh, like if, i know don't know if you know duvel triple hop i do yes I, I think that was my first hobby beer oh really okay yeah uh so a very traditional brewery trying to find a way to make itself relevant in a modern hop and yeah. i, I yeah, think they trip and every year they do a different every year hop. with a different yep. hop yep. uh but besides that, no, not a lot. Uh, well, maybe at the Stresse Brauers. Yeah. yeah. We had them. Uh, but not hoppy ones, not really. 
no, no mm. really back then. So, so, so what did you think? You know, because again, and, and, and this is where I get myself into trouble um, and, and show my age because when you grow up with beers that have evolved over, you know, a, a lengthy period of time, and then the craft beer. Um, movement was inspired by very rapid innovation of things that would, you know, punch you in the mouth distinctive from what went before. And it was the excitement of the novelty and the, for want of a better word, the obviousness of some of the flavours that I, I, I think evolution blunts some of those sharper edges. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a huge contrast between an older beer culture and a modern, mm-hmm. um, highly experimental beer culture. What were your first thoughts of, you know, because you would have landed here, you know, when uh, the, the, the IBU wars were, were still going on and yeah. high IBU yeah. was better than low IBU. Yeah. And how, how was it for It was really interesting to see and to taste and, and to experience all those new flavors for us as well. But on the other hand, being brought up with the more traditional beers and, and the, the beer flavors, one way or the other, we always go back to the traditional beers. Yeah, so it, it, yeah. It, I, I struggled with it a bit as well because I could drink one, but I couldn't have another one. It's, it's like just <laughs> yeah. it's too much. And um, they are, for my um, palate. It has to, your palate has to evolve huh, for, in that kind of sense of... Uh, yeah drinking those hobby beers there's a whole panel discussion around whether whether it is or whether it's because i i actually i personally feel that a lot of people who drink those beers are drinking it for that jarringness um as opposed you know it's an experience not a pleasure is the way i describe it you know um abseiling is an adrenaline rush um and if you get a pleasure from the adrenaline rush um it's exciting but yeah it's still very more relaxing to sit at a table and uh, read a book yes and our and our beers do do the same thing whilst the australian craft beer scene which is amazing and it's growing and it's and it's like but it's not only australian it's like american uh, yeah as well and, uh, true true yeah. um we love those beers but they are experiences and Indeed, if you want to sit back, relax, have a nice dinner, read a book or something, the traditional beers potentially suit better. <laughs> Listen to us dancing around. <laughs> yeah, but, but, it's, uh. <laughs> it, it, but it's also tradition and heritage. They've been around for so That's, many yeah. years. And it's not a criticism of either side because no. they, they serve no. their purpose, but yeah. there, there is a difference. Yes, and well, we see that in our audience as well. Um, people that do come in into our tap room, they they do spend quite a lot of time here, and they you can see them sit down, relax, and chat and laugh with a beer in their hand. Because in, on another other note, like what you said, like it's like the adrenaline rush with the hoppy beers, but I think you can have that with a, a really like, for example, our noble. It's a, a strong golden ale. It's just pills malt, completely yeast driven. When you drink that beer, it's like it can give you an adrenaline rush as well yeah. because because it's like something you haven't had before. Well, so I, would, I call it more the endorphins, like those the pleasure yeah. um, hormones as opposed to the fear hormones. <laughs> if, if, yeah. if, you yeah. know, um, and you have a, a strong golden ale with food. And I, I just don't think hops go well with food. It brings out all of the jarring qualities quite often in the, the beer. But the yeast and the malt-driven Belgian beers 
the two the, 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 the two of the food and the two of the beer make a five of a combination. It brings yeah, out this beautiful um, yep. betterness um, to coin That's phrase. That's what <laughs> we are here for. I, th- I think sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's like those kind of beers been forgotten in in certain way that they mm. can be amazing as well and that they can give yeah. you a certain feeling like wow this is this is really good um so yeah that's hence why i still make them uh what we do do as well is we have some hybrids uh and now that we can use our pilot system as a pilot system we're gonna do some hybrid beers so hoppy beers as well but on a classic Base. Yeah, so it's either a, a Belgian-style beer with an Australian twist, we say mm-hmm. then, um, dry hopped um, and all those things, or it could be a more Australian or American-inspired beer, but then with a, a Belgian yeast, for example, mm-hmm. so combining best of both worlds. Do you think, and I know you've only just opened, so it's very, very early to make any predictions, but do you get a sense that you've almost opened at the right time where we've had this 15 years of massive evolution and, you know, all of the new is, well, not all of the new, but there's been so much novelty and experimental, you know, experimenting with, you know, hops, which have been the ingredient du jour, um, that there is almost um, a, a tiredness creeping into the rapid change and that the market might almost be ready to start rediscovering some of the time and tested proven styles. Yes, because when I do talk to the fellow brewers in Belgium, so we know quite a few and I am still in conversation with them, even they tell me that um, even in Belgium, people are starting to go back to the really traditional and classic styles. Also know that Belgium exports more than 65% of their beers um, to the rest of the world. Um, so it also it is also happening in the rest of the world that people are Australia is yes a couple of years behind everything so we still have got a long way to go um, but it is evolving to back to the, the roots and the tradition and the heritage beers so are we on the right time time will tell well it wasn't planned for sure so <laughs> it was just like we're gonna do this style of beer and that's it uh, so probably not the best uh, way to approach things from a commercial perspective, but it was just the thing that we wanted to do. So if you are on the right track, I hope so. It can only help uh, selling our beers. Um, but I do notice that that those hybrid styles, like I just kicked some new uh, with IPA today uh, for the tap room because mm-hmm. that was one of the best-selling beers when we opened. It was gone in a week. Um, that people are interested in that like the the mold driven yeast driven and then in combination with some hops on it so it gives you a, a very interested interesting layered beer um instead of a beer that where the hop shine and nothing else yep. that you have yeah all those different aspects in a beer and then they they're, sometimes they're quite surprised about those kinds of style uh styles so, so yeah that's definitely something we're going to pursue and hopefully that brings in you know, yeah. uh, closes the gap a bit between hoppy and not hoppy beers and uh, and and if the market is not ready for our beers yet then we have something else to give them so yeah but uh, the market is ready jimmy in <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which you've just opened uh you know, moved out of the garage. Yes, um, I've got my house back. This, this, this big warehouse that may or may not be as nice as the 
potential warehouse in uh, in, in, in Belgium. We'll sort of. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not as nice. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got this beautiful. Uh, you know, every, everything about it is uh, very very schmeck and it, it, it looks great. But it's been a pretty interesting learning experience for you, uh, even in the short period of time you've been essentially pub operators and not yeah. just brewers as well. Yes. Um, it's um, So we've opened up four weeks now and, oh, my gosh, it is hard work. Um, were we prepared? We can, yeah, we thought so, but we still have a long journey ahead of us. Um, everything is running smooth, um, but I cannot describe it any better than uh, brewing the beers. Yes, we can do that. We've proven ourselves in that. Tick the box. Um, doing all the paperwork and all the organization around it and, and managing the business. Yes, we've proven that as well. But all of a sudden, a tap room was involved as well. And it's a complete new business within the business. And um, that has got its own management, its own stock control, finer details that you need to make sure that are there so the customers have got the full experience and everything. And that was, it, it is a lot of work. Did that surprise you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's a lot of work. And, yeah, it's a lot of work. Does Jimmy play, <laughs> does, does Jimmy play the card, I told you I'm coming here to brew? I'm not, um, a, I'm, I'm not Absolutely. A <laughs> <laughs> so, so you I try, but uh, it's not working. So uh, <laughs> I think I'll be uh, uh, helping behind the bar this afternoon as well. Uh, so yeah, but but yeah, it's 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 interesting. But it's it's we, we're learning fast. Yes, I think yeah, absolutely. And and we love the communication with our customers as well. Uh, we try to spend as much time in the tap room to tell the story to our customers, to explain the beers, to let them know where we are coming from, who we are, what we are here for, and and give them the full experience. And we love doing that. You just put in terms of you're here to sort of bring them into the the, the story. Yes. Is being in the tap room giving you that sense that Jimmy talked about? You actually get to see the pleasure on somebody's you know, your The thing that you're making with love now is no longer being hidden in a cupboard. It's out and you get to very visibly see people enjoying it. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. And, and, and I, was, I was cleaning something on the back uh, yesterday and somebody walked past and he was like, oh, do you brew here? I said, yeah. Uh, he said, "Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, you're making amazing beers, and uh, and oh, and my wife finds it as well. And they're like, oh, thank you for doing that. And I said, no, thank you for coming. It was like, <laughs> and like I was like, okay, yeah, that was that was interesting. So yeah, yeah. it's a different experience. But yeah. that's what you want to be. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, really good. Yeah. So how's Australia now? <laughs> uh, it's getting better. <laughs> But going back to, it's a pretty big venue um, and, a, and a significant tap room, um, and not just a production brewery. Did you realise that there was going to be this level of um, hospitality in, involved in it, and, and, and did you set out to prepare yourself for that? Oh, it, it all starts with the premises itself. So every premises that we looked at before this finding this premises um you've got premises with a small tap room you've 
we are lucky that we've got a fairly big tap room in this warehouse. We've got 120 square meters of tap room, mm-hmm. and we also have an outdoor area of like 50 square meters. And then the the function room and upstairs. We, yeah, we've got an additional function room that we could use in the near future as well. Um, so it all comes down to the premises. So were we prepared for this scale of tap room? Not immediately, but as Jimmy is saying, we are learning fast and we are growing fast as well um, for ourselves. Um, so we will we will definitely be able to manage that. What advice would you give to anybody? Who, and we do have a lot of listeners who are planning breweries or dream of opening a brewery um, based on your... Um, t- take your budget and double it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's one. And be prepared to do a lot of long days. Um, because well, the build itself as well, we didn't predominantly we did most of it ourselves. Uh, we had to, we had a good builder as well on board um, to do the toilet block and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But and a good electrician as well. A, a electrician, and so the t- trades were in here, of course. But we tried to do as much as we could ourselves. So the last seven months, we spent a lot of days working here, like to save money, huh? because it's that expensive. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, and and I heard that story before. Like take your take your budget and double it or triple it, and it was like, ah, oh, can't be true. It is true. You raise a really good point because it's it's one of the things that on any podcast that we've asked that question, it's been a, a recurring theme. How much do you actually have to do it yourself to learn yourself? That you, you you can't learn from anybody else's experience. You have to actually experience it yourself um, to 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 meaningfully understand. To to build a brewery, mm. you're meaning? I can say that um, the beer industry here in Southeast Queensland is amazing and all the brewery um, operators and owners are really helpful in providing yeah, you with been, the information. That's been amazing. Yeah, that's yes. true. Yeah. So at every other brewery here on the Gold Coast or in Brisbane, when we had a question, there was always somebody that was willingly to answer that question and guide us into the right direction. That, that's something that's better in Australia. In Belgium, everybody's on its own. <laughs> really? It's not, not that tight as, uh, as it is here. No, not no. at all. So, uh, yeah. Take for Australia. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? It, 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 is, is there a reason, do you think? or it's, um... uh, I reckon because the craft beer industry is still evolving at the moment and there is still room for growth and it is amongst the craft beer brewers here the common goal of trying to make as many Australians drink craft beer as possible. So we've got that common goal that we work towards together. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are competitors of each other and yes we are jealous at each other as well which is no more than normal but to the point we are here to make as many australians drink craft beer as possible and help each other and, and, and help each other uh, i don't know it's, i think it's mentality everybody there it's a bit more on their own huh? yeah. business wise it's different yeah it's a it's not like an open book it's, it's all a bit like enclosed these are my secrets i had to struggle to do this so i'm not yeah. I'm not sharing it's like it's a bit different yeah. okay okay that, that, uh, uh, i'm genuinely gratified to hear that because uh, 
the, the, the position that we occupy, you don't always see that. So being at the coalface to actually hear that, that that's your experience, it's a it's a really lovely thing to hear. Oh yeah, it's awesome here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Absolutely. big thanks to everybody that, yep. that's and, listening um, that helped us out. Yeah. Most of the brewers have been on site here as well in the four weeks that we have been open. So it's great to see them coming in into our tap room and enjoying and our beers as that's well. That's why we always uh, we're also gonna. I don't know if you saw it, but we we have guest taps as well mm-hmm. with the new artisan license. Uh, so we have guest beers here uh, all the time. So does that allow you to have beers on tap that don't distract you from what you want to make? So you, so you get to cater to a slightly wider audience. That's or it. Yeah. Are you doing it just to be a good neighbor and support your uh, friends? Well, be a, ge- a good neighbor and support the friends, the people that support us. Uh, that's main reason. And then the second reason is like to bring something that we don't make as well. Mm. So that you have a, a wider audience as well. So you have a full uh, palette cool. of beers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that can make it interesting as well. And, and like we've been small, we've been in our garage and... and if somebody took our beers on tap, uh, we were always grateful as well. Uh, like, for example, uh, Lee White Lies, yep. he had yep. one of our taps, uh, our kegs on tap, and Fig Brewing Brewery did as well. Um, so that's nice because you, you need every bit of help uh, when you're that small and you don't mm. have a, a tap room. So we so, want to so do yeah, that I, back? Yeah, we, I, I want to do that back as well. So I want to give other breweries that maybe well, um, well we started with the gold coast now but eventually maybe brisbane and all that as well uh we want to give that support to, to highlight them as well it's yeah. Uh, um so yeah so it's uh so that's that's the plan yeah Look, there is so much more I want to uh, ask, but I'm also conscious of the time. We're sort of coming up on an hour already, amazingly. Oh, I've got so yeah. many more stories to tell. <laughs> is, 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 there anything, is there any that you would like to, to, to say before we close? Because I, I, I've already decided that you know, you've, you've been open four weeks. So I do want to come back, you know, in nine, 12 months and, and, and revisit, um, you know, the, the journey of Belgian beer on on. Queensland's Gold Coast, um, and I, I think we'll be able to sort of uh, pick up some of those things. But is there is there anything you'd like to sort of share uh, uh, about your journey that's an important part of what you communicate to the, the people who come in? There's so much that I want to tell, but we'll we'll keep that for the next one, right? Okay. Well, yeah, I think, and for me, it's like if you're planning to start something like you asked, like start a brewery, uh, don't give up and keep Go, pushing, yeah. and it will happen. Yeah. yeah, live the Australian dream. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> did, did you ever think of changing, you know, and think, oh, Australia's not ready for, for, for what I want to make. I've got to start with an American pale ale or, you know, a, a hazy or things like that. W- w- was there ever any doubt? Um, um, Jimmy has uh, got that doubt constantly. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> but but um, at the same time, um, nah. I have to be stubborn. And yes. That's why Belgian beer is still what it is because they were stubborn and just did their own thing there's 500 who are doing those other things and there's only one or two yeah. that are doing what you're so, doing so, so now we will we'll keep on doing what we're doing and hopefully we get enough support for it that we can keep on doing this um so yeah there's nothing no plans to change that for a while i hope yeah. wonderful and that's why i want to come back i'm really i'm again as i i was very lucky that your story resonates with so many people that it was actually a CUB rep. Um, shout out to Daryl Sweeney who yeah. Uh, yeah. reached out and sort of 
told me about you guys before I'd even heard of you um, because he was just so supportive and loved what you're doing. I think he w- lived in the area. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah, lives yeah. around the corner here, yeah. so he still comes in. And so he discovered it, and you know, and, and I, you know, to me that says so much about what you guys because I, I don't often have you know reps from a major brewing company going you need to check these guys out so uh it, it, it's been such a uh, big part of your story is the support and i think that is people responding to you as much as anything yeah. in, in inherent about the uh the, the, the local culture so uh thank you i'm, I'm really watch, looking forward to uh watching uh your, your journey but thank you for being part of this oh, conversation and uh all the very very best yeah thank, thank you thank you and see you at maddox soon yeah <laughs> and that was annalise naiskins and jimmy van ebald i will revisit them this time next year to see just how they're traveling and my fingers are crossed for them until then Thanks for listening to that conversation. Now, here's a little bonus for you. As I hear from Lark Distilling's master distiller, Chris Thompson, who tells me a little bit more about Lark's collaboration with brewer Wolf of the Willows. I asked Chris, what is it about this whiskey and beer that really works for him? Firstly, let's start about what's amazing about this collaboration in terms of the liquid. The liquid that we take is completely polar opposite to a Johnny Smoke Porter. So the whiskey component is this bright, fun, fruity, tropical piece, right? And then the beer is like this dark, heavy, velvety, incredibly thick, viscous, you know, it's got bitter and it also has has sweet that play off each other. So that's the beer. And when you bring them together, then what happens is the, the whiskey is kind of like a, a prism. So you think Pink Floyd for me, you have the prism and the, the beer shines through it. But what, the, what it does by adding extra brightness, uh, lift, an alcohol to the beer, it separates the beer out. And then you can see every single component that made that beer. When we're making the whiskey, in our mind, what we're trying to do is showcase the beer in a different way. Now, the Johnny Smoke Port is such a complex and rich beer, but with the alcohol of the, of the whiskey coming through it, then you can see each of those each of those components. That's the magic of this, this whiskey um, and the magic of the, the collaboration. Like in all seriousness, being a whiskey nut for 15 plus years now, there is not a single whiskey on the planet that looks like this. It does everything that you would expect a whiskey to do, but in a completely different way. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. Like no other whiskey. Yeah. Well, it's probably, well, it's my favorite whiskey to make every year because of that. So as a distiller with 15 years experience, what has Chris learned from his experience in partnering with a brewer? Yeah, probably that I'm a bit dumb. So I've, I started off and was like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. There's no chance that I'll, you know, this whole thing. I was so sceptical. And then we went through sort of one. So we sort of take different casks that look a bit different and we mix it with the beer and be like, what does it taste like? Oh, it doesn't taste very good. And we did that about seventh time. Where it was actually the very last whiskey um, sort of representation of the portfolio of what our casks have that we tried that it was like, oh, wow, that's like incredible. We have to do this. And at that point, I don't even think I'd spoken to Scotty. I think um, one of my outsiders, Johnny, 
had been speaking to, to Scotty about it and I called Scott, I was like, we've got to do this thing. I'm excited now. So um, what I learned was that I don't know what I'm talking about, at least five years ago. Don't trust your instincts and try everything. Um, and then from there, there what we try to do each year is provide the same backbone of flavour, um, but do it in a slightly different way. So if Chris was surprised that this collaboration could work, how has that changed over the course of five iterations of this whiskey? You know, Wolf Number 1 was just about um, a pure expression of balance. Wolf Number 2 was um, trying to provide the most of this sort of prism experience with the, the beer shining through and just showcasing. The third one was about excess absolutely there should be too much of everything going on all of the time and was just this outrageous over the top thing the wolf number four which is my favorite it's actually my favorite whiskey um, that we've done in my 15 years so of you know 500 thousand whiskeys that i've blended um that's my number one i've got three bottles at home and they seem to go it used to be four bottles so it's probably a, it's probably a pretty good sign wolf number four was to me just this balanced experience that just it just showcased everything that was great in the beer and just it was just a little piece of um, exhilaration. It's just every time I try it, I just can't believe how much is going on in that, uh, how easily you can see every component of the beer but also the whiskey. But it's only flashes really quickly as it moves on to the next experience, I suppose, the next flavour. And then this year, this year is the one with the most beer in it. So usually what would happen is that we'd fill the casks all the way up with the whiskey to soak the beer out. But we haven't done that this year. We've actually only sort of 60% filled them. So the ratio of beer to whiskey is way higher. And so this year, the, the beer sits as this kind of solid block within the whiskey and it just showcases it in a completely different way, which is, which is really magical. And then if you add water to the whiskey, which sort of changes the surface tension, then it just erupts and launches out, which is just, yeah, there's no whiskey like it on the planet. And it's just, as you can tell, I get pretty excited. Finally, with so much detail already provided, I asked Chris just how this whiskey is made. In terms of making this thing, there's this like horrific logistics thing that you've got to go through. So we send barrels of whiskey or, or barrels that have held classic cask, which is one of, uh, I think it's the most popular Australian whiskey ever sold, I think. So it's like, it's our one of our flagships and it's just, yeah, if you haven't tried it, definitely try it. It's pretty cool. So these are export and sherry whiskey um, barrels, mostly from Sebblesfield Winery and mostly the wood for those will be at least 100 years old. So they would have held wine in it and then they've held fortified either a sherry or a port in it for, you know, 60, 70 years, probably refilled a couple of times, sort of, you know, through its period. But, yeah, generally generally around 100-year-old um, in terms of when it was chopped down as a tree. We get those, we fill it full of our whiskey, then we empty our whiskey out, send them straight up to Melbourne to, um, to Wolf, to, to Scotty. Scotty puts the beer in it, so it soaks out all this kind of porty, sherry, sweet um, whiskies, um, raises the ABV. But then we have an issue because if, if Scotty just empties the barrels out and then sticks the buns back in and shoot, ships them back to us in Tassie, then the chance of oxidisation, the chances of the beer changing in a really negative way, you know, infection as well, are really high. And so the good thing about the product that we make being, you know, 60 plus percent is it freezes that, that process. 
it freezes that, you know, those changes in the barrel. And so, yeah, what we actually do is we ship the whiskey up. So we'll blend the whiskey against what last year's um, beer was, get a pretty good idea of what it should be. And then what we'll do is we'll ship the whiskey up to, to Scotty to put in the beer barrels. And so they'll empty the barrels. And within 20 seconds of that barrel being empty, there's whiskey going into that barrel. Um, and so you freeze and you capture the pure essence of that amazing beer, which is pain in the ass, to be honest, but it's, a, it's the right thing to do. It's what makes the whiskey so good. So that's a little bit about Lark's Wolf Release 5 launching on August 8 this year. I know I'm looking out for this one. Watch out for a few more chats about beer and whiskey in the coming weeks, including a chat with Scott from Wolf of the Willows. 